There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Short-time hotels are hotels where you can rent rooms by the hour. And so people usually rent these rooms at these hotels to have sex. And so to be honest, if you're working at a short-time hotel, especially one in a party district like Magsaysay Drive in Olongapo City, you're probably used to seeing lots of dodgy things. From sex workers to people hooking up, maybe even some men and their mistresses. After a little while, you're unfazed. You're just kind of glad that you're not the one cleaning the room. So one night, a couple goes in, and that's normal. But only the man leaves. And when you go to the room, the door is left open. And in the room, you see a partially naked body. Neck covered in bruises, strangulation marks, and head submerged in the toilet bowl. Hi, I'm Teddy and welcome to A Briefcase. If you didn't know, June is Pride Month and I think it's fair to say that the LGBTQ plus community has very unfairly experienced a disproportionate amount of prejudice and hate crimes. And today we're covering the killing of Jennifer Laude, a trans woman who was killed in Salzone Lodge in Olongapo City, Philippines. We need to start the case with Jennifer. Jennifer Laude was born Jeffrey Laude on 4th November 1987. She was born in Olangapo City to Julita Laude and we know she had at least three siblings including Mary Lou, Rex and Michelle. We don't know when she transitioned but from what I could find it seems that her family was very loving and supporting and that after she transitioned, they were still together and they still loved her, which isn't always the case for families. So not that it should matter, but Jennifer was a beautiful person inside and out. So she had long hair, impeccable makeup, and according to her friends, she had like the best personality. We know she wasn't from a rich family and she was the breadwinner for her family. So she paid for her siblings' education, and she was always doing her best to take care of her family. And if you were her friend, if you were lucky enough to be her friend and you needed help, she would always do her best to help you too. And back at the point where this incident happened, she was actually engaged to a German man, Mark Susselbeck. And they met online and they had been engaged since December 2012. And her family also knew about them, so it wasn't like a secret boyfriend kind of thing. And when this happened, they would have been engaged for about two years or so. In fact, according to a statement by Mark, they actually tried to get her a visa to visit Germany in March 2013. But the visa was rejected, the visa application was rejected. And now, we have to go through what happened on October 11th, 
2014. This was a Saturday night and Jennifer was 26. She was young. She wanted to have a good time. Nothing wrong with that. So she went to the Ambience Disco. And this is Ambience spelled A-M-B-Y-A-N-Z Disco with a friend. And her friend's name was Barbie Jelviro. Now, if you actually Google it, it looks like the Ambience Disco is still around. Now, it seems like the Ambience Disco is a popular bar and disco and it was popular with American troops and soldiers at the nearby naval base. And it was at this disco where she met 19-year-old Joseph Scott Pemberton. Now, Joseph was a lance corporal in the US Marine Corps and he was in the Philippines to take part in a joint exercise between the Philippines and the US. So this incident actually happened after the exercise and the troops after this were allowed on shore. I think they call it shore leave or something. Joseph and Jennifer are at the ambience disco and they hit it off. They have a couple of drinks. She's objectively just beautiful and you know, he looked like a regular American guy, like reasonably okay looking. And so they decide to go to the Salzone Lodge to quote-unquote get to know each other better. And I guess maybe sometimes when you're drunk, sometimes you don't really have impulse control. And Jennifer decides, yeah, you know what? Why not? And it wasn't just Jennifer and Joseph because that feels like a little bit dangerous, right? Jennifer's friends, they were also on their way to this lodge. So it wasn't the most unusual thing to do. And this was at about 10.55pm, so actually it's not even that late. So Jennifer and Joseph, they check into room 1 of the motel. And now, after this, we only have the account of what happened according to Joseph. And it's very unfortunate, and we only have this account because Jennifer has passed. Now they're in the room, and they're hooking up. And Jennifer is giving Joseph oral sex. And then somehow, Joseph suddenly feels a penis and he pushes Jennifer off and she falls from the bed. And so now remember, this account is according to him. And after that, after she she falls from the bed, he alleges that she slapped him and he, in retaliation, chokes her until she passes out which again even if it's according to him is a very disproportionate reaction so he panics and he tries to revive her with water so he drags her to the bathroom and tries to revive her with water but he quote-unquote couldn't find any sort of water to revive her with in the bathroom and he also says that she was alive when he left her which begs the question why did he leave her in the toilet bowl and this is actually a point that's disagreed on as well so it's believed that what happened is that he arm locked her choking her and then he dunked her head in the bathroom in the toilet and this is supported by the evidence where her cause of death wasn't by um, choking it was by asphyxiation by drowning and after he killed jennifer joseph took a taxi across town back to Subic Bay, where the military ship was docked. And according to an article by the New York Times, he actually admitted to the events of the night to like some of his other, other military men. And he wasn't the only one to remember, though. He wasn't the only one to recount the events of the night. The staff at the motel, they actually remembered that Jennifer came in with a white man who had a marine-style haircut. 
And on 15th of October, four days after Jennifer's death, her sister, Mary Lou, files a murder complaint. And what's interesting is that Jennifer's friend, Barbie, the one who was with her that night, was placed in a witness protection program. Alright, now we need to take a moment to talk about context. Philippines is a largely Catholic, conservative country, and so this was a controversial case, especially since Jennifer was a trans woman. But something else is that there had been prior cases of violence against Filipino women, specifically by American military men. So a lot of people were upset, and for many different reasons. But like, I think one thing that we should kind of all agree on is that nobody should ever be killed or have any sort of violence against them just because they, they are trans or they are gay. And now, so the case went a little bit differently. Now, Joseph Pemberton, he was detained by the US Navy, first on the ship, then in the Armed Forces HQ. And court began on 23rd February 2015. So Joseph actually entered a not guilty plea. And it's also alleged by Jennifer's relatives that, and, and this is an allegation, okay, that they were offered 21 million Philippine pesos. That's like 468,000 US dollars. And they were offered this money to lower the charge from murder to homicide. And the family rejected the money. But like Joseph Pemberton's lawyers were like, no, this is false. This never happened. So now in court, Joseph said that he, this American military man, was acting in self-defense. And there is something called a gay panic defense, or in this case, a trans panic defense, which really shouldn't be a thing, but actually has its own Wikipedia page. So now, a gay panic defense is a legal defense where a gay person makes an unwanted sexual advance, and this person, the, the person, the attacker, says that they lose control and react violently. And this is a legal strategy. And unfortunately, if you read the Wikipedia page as well, you can see that it's worked out in like quite a number of cases. And from what I understand, it's usually used as kind of a mitigating factor. And I also think it's a bit like, because just, just personally, and this is like a very unqualified opinion for me as a woman, it feels like the kind of person to use this defense is also the kind of person to hit on a woman and when she reacts badly to be like, oh, you should be flattered that you're getting hit on, you know? Yeah. And now this was a really controversial case. And depending on what you read, there's a whole range of opinions. So for example, like now, like some people are saying it shouldn't matter because Jennifer was a woman regardless, which is like true. But as let's say if I was a man, I would be like a bit shocked. Lah. I'd be like, oh, it's a penis. But like 100%, this does not mean that she should have been subjected to any sort of violence whatsoever. It just means that like, if I had that kind of like preference, maybe I would be like, oh, um, I'm not into this, thank you, bye-bye. And then there is the other extreme, okay? And we know that his attorneys really played into the defense. And, and to quote, they said that he, he felt like he was being raped because he didn't co give consent to allow a man to do that sort of thing. End quote. And this is perpetuated, especially on certain subreddits where they actually go like, oh, you know what, his actions are, are like justified, which I don't agree with, but like internet opinions are internet opinions. 
Anyway, on 1st December 2015, he was found guilty of homicide, not murder. And this was given the mitigating factors like Jennifer not telling him about her biological sex, which kind of reads to me like a successful use of the trans panic defense strategy, which is like... <sighs> and he was also fined 4.5 million Filipino pesos, which would have been about 80,000 USD. He was sentenced about 6 to 12 years in jail, but in 2020, after serving about 5 to 6 years or so of his sentence, he was pardoned by the then-president, Rodrigo Duterte. And this caused quite a bit of controversy, because first, apparently, Duterte had previously promised Jennifer's family that he wouldn't release Joseph Pemberton during his presidency, but like, if this is really true, it means that he broke it in the most direct way possible by pardoning Joseph. And I think one of the reasons that he did so was because he thought it would foster better relationships between the two countries, between the Philippines and the US. And the thing is that Duterte also has a questionable reputation. I mean, on one hand, that were articles written alleging about his behavior, about how he was a bit of a womanizer. And there is also one particular article which I read that was like, oh, you know what? I killed myself from being gay by marrying a beautiful woman, which is also very problematic. And if he did have some sort of attraction to men before, it might also be bisexual erasure, which is also problematic. So... Unfortunately, there isn't any sort of satisfying ending to this case. And after his pardon, Joseph went back to the US and there was a lot of unhappiness about this, not just because of the LGBTQ plus issues, there was also unhappiness about the perceived special treatment of the American military in the Philippines and how it felt when incidents like this happened. It almost felt like Filipinos were being treated like second-class citizens in their own country. So I guess there just wasn't justice for Jennifer and her death was tragic and very unnecessary but I think one thing that we can acknowledge is that she's become a symbol for change that feels very poignant at this time. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of A Briefcase. Happy Pride Month! I also appreciate the comments that y'all have been leaving to take Bing Ting from the last episode on Spotify. <laughs> Indeed, I have been busy with work and life and everything like that. And there are also a couple of larger episodes, longer episodes I've been working on. And so the editing is pretty heavy and it's been kind of time-consuming on that front. But they'll be good to talk about. So I guess you guys can look forward to a longer episode. Maybe I think it'll be like a 30-40 minute episode coming up soon. And as always, you can find us online at abriefcasepodcast.com and on Instagram at abriefcasepodcast. And do join us next week for another briefcase. 50 to 80% less in similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping 
and 365-day returns.